0: You're taking this all much too personally. My name is Matthew Kroll. And so emotional. My name is Shahir Dow, And this is the only podcast about movies, specifically the film War for the Planet of the Apes. I think you should enunciate every
1: single verb clearly.
0: War for, for the, the Planet of the Apes. Apes,
1: <laughs> and I love. Uh, I know we're not jumping into the review right away, but I love at the beginning of this film they like reiterate each of the titles. Rise,
0: I thought dawn, it was clever. War, I thought I, it was. I thought it was clever. It was a clever little fun. We'll bullshit talk color about game. that sure. eventually. How uh, you been? I'm all right. I've been, uh, you know, a little busy. It's summertime, Shahir. It's hot as balls. It's in the hot. Script. It's so hot right now, and it's not just because you have the two sexiest motherfucking uh, movie reviewers on the face of the planet. You never get to see. Wait, yeah, are we talking about our actual looks or I just have voices like the, the image you conjure oh, when you yeah no no not actually how we look just yeah, yeah. how we sound because we both of, look terrible that buttery well right now we do we're yeah. just dripping uh, <laughs> and you just ate a gyro and I just shoved a huge <laughs> fucking chicken salad in my face so or what do
1: you think is the best representation of our respective voices like uh, oh, if
0: I, we had to cast
1: ourselves yeah, in had, Hollywood yeah just just the voice like say if we were doing like an animation where we were the voices and they had to draw an image around us oh so that's they,
0: interesting let's, let's they, save that for a Patreon goal one day. <laughs> who um, would they model us on? Who would we? Oh, wow. I
1: feel like you would be like um, uh, uh, a Nick, no, a, a Punisher type, something like angry. You'd be like, um, not Was it Al Frank or, uh, Thank you? you know, like the character from uh, Inside Out, the angry character from Inside Out. Uh, you're talking Lewis Black? Yeah, Lewis Black. You'd be uh, like a Lewis
0: Black. I oh think. wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you would be. <laughs> oh man. You would probably be something British. Yeah. Just because accents, they all sound the same. I feel so. like I'd be like a
1: Legolas or something like that. No, no. Too baritone for legal yeah, no, yeah. Maybe yeah. like a Arabic. No.
0: No. Uh, uh, you're more of a. <laughs> Like a like <laughs> Cumberbatch's younger brother, <laughs> Cumberbatch's ugly younger brother. Yeah. Yeah. So that's it. So that's it's what we elementary, look like. my dear. Yeah. What son? What son? Um. Yeah. So. Uh. Yeah. It's been good. Theaters have been. Uh. Nice, but uh, but there, there's well, air it's conditioning. Good. It's
1: good to get into the air conditioning a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Right? Um. But b- but this is being this is a follow up from like something that we talked about last week, it's right? True. Like yeah. watching a movie at home on Netflix versus
0: watching a movie at the theater. And guys, before we get into this, uh, this war. There's a different war going on, and that is for your movie-going dollar.
1: Well, and this is, and this is going to come to play this week with the release of Dunkirk coming out. Christopher Nolan wants you to go see this movie in IMAX, pay the, the premium ticket price and see it in the full format range if possible. Sure. Uh, you know, he's making distinctly theater going experiences and Matt, what's the article we're talking about? We're
0: talking about, it was an IndieWire? IndieWire article. Uh, this week. basically interviewed Christopher Nolan and he went ham on fucking Netflix, basically saying how he thinks their model is entirely broken and he doesn't understand it and like like why would you? Why are you actively trying to destroy movie theaters? And uh, all of this sort of, I mean, I love Christopher Nolan and I love his work, but he was sounded like a curmudgeon. <laughs> uh, just a world class curmudgeon. And there's a couple, I mean, there's like obviously in any sort of movie culture, there's 50 articles written about the article. Right. Um, and a couple interesting ones, uh, one of them that I really uh, sort of gravitated to was actually. I believe it was on The Verge mm-hmm. and uh, it made a couple interesting things because it was talking a lot about Okja yeah. and the release of that and, and how um, uh, uh bong joon ho uh wouldn't have been able to make the movie he wanted to make for the amount of money that netflix gave him had he gone through the studio system right and then it got into this whole thing it's like oh well i guess so as long as you're the most critically beloved blockbuster director in 40 years and a man and white you'll be fine in hollywood i uh i agree with that and um, but i mean look and so and then i don't think christopher nolan definitely is coming from And I'm not calling out, well, it probably has a little bit, obviously in its roots, I was going to say, say what you got to say, man, preach. (laughs) It comes from a a point of privilege, says the white guy in the room. Mm -hmm. Uh, But like, it's super just like, it's disheartening to hear him talk like this. And it's, it's just sort of like, wow, man, like you are a God when it comes to making stuff on the screen. It seems like you can understand a lot of different perspectives, but when it comes to outside of what you're making, it seems like your view is incredibly narrow and askew. Uh,
1: I mean, look, I, I uh, fundamentally I agree with the, the Netflix. Uh, no, no. Here's what. Here's the thing. I think that it's not Netflix that are destroying the movie going experience. It's nope. movie theaters that are destroying the movie going sure. experience. Sure,
0: they're not Ooh. offering anything that's better. No, they haven't innov-
1: uh, And I think it was. Um, Let's go to 4DX. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, who's the 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 Napster founder? Parker, um, someone Parker. I forget his name. He was played by Justin Timberlake yeah, we know in, him. In, in the social the network. Napster guy. Uh, and and I think his quote was, "Look, movie theaters haven't innovated in the last 40 years. They've basically been offering the same product. So." Uh, and, and they're charging more for it. The experience is getting worse because they're not quality control checking everything. Like I went to a screening, my screening of Wonder Woman was out of focus, like le- legitimately out of photo. Stand that out of shit. focus. And I went and complained and nothing happened. And you're dealing with a chain of people that don't care about that experience. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've been to uh, I, I remember the last time I complained was the one I saw Under the Skin, which was just a completely washed out print for a really gorgeous looking movie. Which yeah. and I was like, I paid fifteen dollars for this thing and it's terrible. And the seats are terrible, and, and I, I generally think the um, movie theaters are ruining the movie experience, with a couple of exceptions.
0: I think places like the Alamo Draft House, Nighthawk, right.
1: they are I wouldn't say innovating, they're not but giving they're you doing
0: a, it right. They're yeah. they're doing they're ensuring the experience that Christopher Nolan, in his mind, thinks all ex- movie-going experiences should be and I, I, it's mm-hmm. funny, I would just love to, that Christopher Nolan hasn't been in a general audience in, in the, he hasn't been to the Times Square Theater sitting with the plebes in a long-ass time. Not true. So Really?
1: Yeah, not true. In that same interview, he talks about going to La La Land three times in the movies. Just, but where? In, as a general
0: audience film. People, but, people but, don't recognize Christopher No, no, Nolan no, no on but listen, listen to what I'm saying. Where did he go? He went to a
1: general audience theater. He wanted to see it no, with an okay, audience No, okay, you're
0: not following what I'm saying. What city? What town? LA. Yeah, that's different. He probably went to a very nice theater in L.A. I'm saying, but, when have you gone to an? When has he gone to an actual movie theater with people that are destroying? Act other audience members actively destroying the movie theater experience. Like, I don't wait, think.
1: But he, let's break down your argument here. What do you? What do you? What are you saying? Is it the audience that are destroying the movie experience? It's everything. Or is it First the of theater?
0: all, it, the theaters are not innovating. I agree with everything you said. Right. There's also some blame to be put on us, the audience. But
1: you can't. You can't. Uh, you can't quantify like people being assholes. Ruining the movie experience. That's just you might get a great but audience one what, time. You but might not. This is what it. I'm saying.
0: The Alamo Draft House, as mm-hmm. we just talked about, can you can fix this problem? You know what you have to do to fix the problem? Run a tight ship. You know what mm-hmm. every major movie uh, movie theater chain wants to do to save money? Not run a tight ship. no no not the, deal with. No, listen to me, not are, run quality control. Not run people to uh, eject people actively if they're talking or ruining the experience. So that that to me is like, oh, you want this? And I'm not saying Christopher Nolan. I'm just saying yeah. the the theater industry and general wants this premium that oh it's theatrical it's premium so but 90 percent of theaters that we go to that experience does not exist anymore and i can get a more honest, a more intimate, and to be quite honest, better sound and visuals most of the time at my house.
1: Right. I I completely agree with that. I just don't think you can quantify your audience sucking. Now, I think Alamo Drafthouse is trying to speak to a specific film-going audience, and and, you know, like your AMCs and Regals um, in Times Square don't want to like shut out, you know, teenagers who want to spend the afternoon in a movie theater, or they don't want to shut out like a parent my screening of uh, war of the planet of the eights had a baby in it
0: um but then i'm just a getting a little confused are you defending people bringing no, children or lighting no, up their no. phones what what or I'm, talking during a film what i'm
1: saying is you can't you can't quantify for that being the failure of movies i, I think, can uh, quantify
0: as it contributing to the to the i don't want to. And this i, I can only speak for me but yeah. i imagine this is true of people who love movies mostly most likely all of you guys listening to the audience who actually really enjoy film <laughs> you you're not gonna go if if a if a if a viewing experience is increasingly shitty at a place due to the clientele only, let's even say. Let's say movie theaters were great but the clientele was just garbage they do nothing. You're going to stop
1: going. But how do you, but but my point here is how do you quantify that? Like sometimes you're going to get a great audience, sometimes you're going to get a terrible Alamo audience. Alamo Drafthouse you know, I've
0: never but, had a bad audience. But it
1: depends on where you're where you're going and and the time of day and and We're, we're saying
0: the same thing but differently. I'm yeah. saying quality control your fucking shit. Mm-hmm. Quality control The people, I would say most of the time, 60 percent ish people are there to watch the movie and shut the fuck up in a general audience screening. Okay, you have a low, low opinion of humanity, right? Uh, Yeah, 100 (laughs) percent. So what I'm saying is. Th- there are we, – we're literally seeing profitable solutions to how to do this. It's just – it literally comes down from corporate fuckery and laziness that they don't do this. Now, should there be options for people to go to theaters that want to talk and text and whatever? Sh- sure. If yeah. you know that, like, this is the talking movie or the, the yeah. cell phone movie, and this is the one where you shut the fuck up. But it's not it's not coming down to choice, and it's not coming down to – it there, I just, I'm going to wrap it up. I hate it when in the theater industry is sort of just like, Oh, it's just Netflix and home theater. And Oh, and it's like, no, you're not providing the service that you once did. And in, in, in addition to that, there are now outside factors People are, I would say, statistically, ruder now. There's more electronics in your hand now yeah. than it was. So there's it's just a whole bunch but, but of shit rolling you, you downhill. What,
1: what I'm saying here is that that the problem isn't those outside factors. The problem is the theater itself hasn't innovated enough to give you a premium experience that that justifies the price of the ticket
0: yeah of course but and, I, but it, but i'm saying you we can't be blameless as a society either right right uh i i guess uh well, i am curious but, about but you this is a question what do you what do you consider because you keep saying the premium theater experience for you shahir yeah. dowd what is the premium theater experience
1: i want a uh a clean theater Pristine, pristine picture, pristine sound. And I want those things to be bitter than I can offer at home. And you don't and- care about the audience. I mean, the thing is, I I can't hold the theater chain accountable if I happen to get a shitty audience, but or if can, I happen because Alamo Drafthouse has proven that you can Alamo, but again, Alamo Drafthouse does that for a very specific niche kind of. Would audience. you rather
0: a perfectly quiet audience or and, people talking?
1: And they and they charge more for that. What I'm talking about is like my general, and and it's ridiculous that the price is fifteen dollars for a movie right yeah. now, but but for my you know my general walk into the movie theater experience, I those are the I, I want quality control in terms of the sound and and I want I want the experience of when i used to go to the movies and there used to be a projectionist who cared about the the lighting quality of the film and 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 whether the the reels were run together correctly or whether the uh, you know like uh, there, there's a famous story about when Christopher Nolan was uh, screening Interstellar that he would go to i think it was the Lincoln Square IMAX which is where uh, everyone should go see Dunkirk by the way and he would sit it, he would watch the movie in row 1 Row five, row 10, row 15, row 20, and he would quality control like he wants the experience to be the same all the way through yeah. and I think that sort of thing isn't happening because, because capitalism and the way in which we distribute movies just doesn't allow for that and and Netflix is a really great alternative if you're like and you know like my argument is, is the kind of the, the family dad uh, kind of argument about this which is like you know if I want to take my kids my wife it's to the like movies bucks it's like 100 bucks and am I getting a hun- am I getting the value? of a hundred bucks no. at the movies—that is much better than the seven dollars I spend a month at Netflix—and I don't think it is. So my thing here is, I don't think Netflix is the problem. No,
0: and and, and, and the other side, Netflix of, is a solution. And, and the
1: other <laughs> the other side of it is the the argument that came up uh, earlier this year with uh, Rotten Tomatoes with, with the argument uh, around I think it was films like Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, people were talking about uh, and Baywatch in particular. They were talking about how Rotten Tomatoes is ruining the movie experience. By by swaying um, audience members away from movies that might ordinarily be entertaining and fun, and the 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 thing there is like no, it's not the audience that's it's not Rotten Tomatoes that's doing this. It's you you guys making bad movies. It's making movies that people don't emotionally care about. It's making movies
0: that don't resonate. And I will say and now people are catching them and catching calling you out on your shit. And yeah, now exactly. people aren't getting aren't getting basically tricked into going to the theater as much because there's research available.
1: There's research available, and it's also like, do I want to see the sixth pirate of the- Pirates of a Caribbean movie. It's like I I don't I want to see something new and interesting. And I and I will praise Christopher Nolan for being a guy sure. who try who is trying to innovate. I will say Christopher Nolan's obsession with IMAX is admirable, but I feel like he uh, there's something that happens that I don't know whether it's a technical or financial or. Or or what it is. But this notion that a film can be partially shot on IMAX and then jump in between formats, it the, that if there's anything that ruins a cinematic experience, it's when the format jumps all over the show. And I didn't see the latest Transformers movie last night, but apparently that was an issue with that as well. Is that the, the, that, it that would, wasn't its only issue? I yeah, didn't even see No, it. of course. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, the, among other things. Um, you know, I, I, I as much as I didn't like Peter Jackson's 48 frames per second experiment, I admire the the for, I for like too. committing to and it, and here's
0: the difference: he committed to it for a series of films. Yeah, he didn't say, "I'm only ever gonna." This is the format. This is what everyone should be doing all the time. This is the only way to experience a film that I'm going to make. If I, he he never said that. Could he keep making them? Sure. Yeah. But Christopher Nolan won't shoot digital. I mean, that's, sort, that's preference, whatever. Yeah. And now he's uh, chastising different ways people uh, for either enjoyable or financially wise are being entertained.
1: Well, uh, you know, to, to add some nuance, not to like uh, put words into Christopher Nolan's mouth. His point is, is that he doesn't understand why Netflix wants to do simultaneous releases like he he, he praised Amazon Prime for having movies that yes. they would put in a movie theater then allow for distribution. I think there's a 90 day window on those. Um, so he's not like he's not against seeing
0: a movie streaming. He's but not he's against just uh, he's against a competing force actively destroying the way that he wants to make a movie and and have people see his movie. I think it's the way he wants yeah people to see his yeah, movie. But, yeah, but but the, the, this is the problem and this is and this is when and I hope I never get there, and I'm sure I'm about. I do this sort of same thing that Christopher Nolan is doing with with filmmaking, with other things in my life. But the, we're all gonna become old men and old women and old people. He's not that old. Either. I know, <laughs> but, like, but this is the kind of shit that old people say. This right. is the kind of shit that's like, no, the old way is better. It's the only way you're gonna experience this thing. You you don't know what you're fucking talking about. Like, when, when, I, and, I I think you're mischaracterizing. But, he, but, no, but, he's like like but what he's saying. But yeah. he's saying he's saying that he thinks that the way that Netflix. Really Releases, yeah, the thing in the theater and in uh, on streaming is ludicrous, and he doesn't understand it. What? How could? And so, yeah. what doesn't he get about it? It's not profitable. People no, he, people are allowed to see it, the it, film outside it's of it's
1: exactly the conversation that happened at Cannes when this when Akchur also
0: there. curmudgeoning. I,
1: I think his his concern is that people aren't seeing it in the best possible format immediately. They're being they, but but I but I think the flaw in his argument. And I don't you know look uh, Christopher Nolan. I don't think is a is a man for for you know jumping on a on a soapbox and shouting things. I think he's trying to make a reasoned argument. But I think the flaw in his it's argu- hard to tell uh, in an article. Yeah. It is
0: hard to tell because they write it in a certain way, but, but uh, yeah, and obviously,
1: and the thing is, this uh, this this comment was probably one of many things he said uh, in passing. You know, like who cares? You know, like everyone That's says fair. things in junkets that you know, like people mischaracterize, uh, and and it makes for a good clickbait story. Um, I'll tell I, you, probably more people will go see Dunkirk because of this thing. He, it's very calculated, maybe. I mean, he's advocating for people to go see Dunkirk in a movie theater. Um, I think I think the the flaw in his argument is that. Um, the the rationalization is that if you're given a choice to see a movie... If you if you had a choice to go see the movie Octra in a movie theater that was right next door to you, or sit at home and watch it in a movie theater, I think the pro the flaw is, you can is
0: that mix those a little bit. But I know what you are saying.
1: You know, like his he is that most he's worried that people will choose the sit at home thing.
0: Why is he worried? For he's, two reasons. There is two. There is the public reason, and then there is a subconscious reason. I don't even know if he realizes he's worried about it. For
1: I think the the reason is is that he wants people to appreciate cinema as a theatrical experience, which is how he envisions it. I think, and, 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 and what he's concerned about is that people are inherently missing out. Now, I don't think that's an issue. I, I think Jurassic Park on VHS holds up as, as, good as jurassic park at a movie theater it's not obviously the same thing but the movie stands up and i think and i think uh and christopher nolan is a filmmaker whose films stand up on on home release it's it's actually the it's ironically it's one of the keys to his success is that he is a filmmaker and i think it, not since stanley kubrick is a filmmaker given so much creative freedom as, as christopher nolan yeah well, beca- because his movies are critically he, he reaches that nixus that few filmmakers do they're critically acclaimed and they make money
0: yeah but <laughs> This, so that's all true. Everything you mm-hmm. said is 100% true. But there is a sideline of he's the poster boy for Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers will let him do whatever he wants. He's one of the only few directors in that studio system that can do that, like you said, because, he's proven, yeah. because he's proven that he makes money and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So if the thing – and not that, not that I don't – I don't think he's like sitting up worrying at night. I think he's just going about his life making great movies. Yeah. But, the, but it's also – it's hard to not look at it from a cynical side, at least for me, because – it just sounds like an old person's argument. I know he's not old, but it sounds like an old person's argument railing against something that will eventually lose him either prestige, influence or money, which it doesn't have to. But it's just sort of like it's 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 the way that iTunes changed music. It's the way it's like it's and 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 there's something I do want to say about the the I think Netflix releasing films in uh in, for instance, the theater and at the, at home is great. Yeah. Because say Dunkirk was a, a Netflix film. Yeah. Okay. And say Christopher Nolan didn't have this interview. Instead, he's had another interview still just saying, go see this in the theater. Like, yeah, you can watch it. Watch it again at home. Yeah. Do do that. Go see it in the theater. I really think it's the only way to appreciate it and blah, blah, blah. I'd be like, fuck yeah, Christopher Nolan. Yeah. And I'd go see that movie now because, because I agree with what he's saying. Yeah. But. We again are in uh, interesting spaces uh, where we are financially sound to go see a bunch of movies. Yeah. Uh, you if, when you go alone, it's fine. But I mean, and when you I have, go
1: alone all the time.
0: <laughs> but you know what I mean. Like you yeah. even said, like a family of four is going to cost a hundred bucks. Yeah. You're getting a subpart. It financially
1: thing. S- makes more sense to be a, to, to see it on Netflix. Yeah. yeah.
0: So so and, and so you're actually you're now going against quality yeah. of of the view of a viewer's experience versus quantity of eyeballs seeing your film and potentially enjoying it and. I mean, Netflix is now giving the option kind of for both yeah. and to have that visceral like no yeah. like that it, it rubbed I, me the I, wrong way I don't think it's a no like you said like it, you're it characterizing it's it. like he's shaking his fist at the <laughs> sky <you> here uh, <laughs>
1: but, but but like so for example um, Steven Soderbergh is releasing a film uh, later this year that's going to be released on Amazon Prime uh, Logan Lucky or Lucky Logan I think it's yep. called uh, which is going to star Channing Tatum and um, Daniel Craig is and, there a trailer
0: for that yeah there's a trailer I, think I've seen
1: it. I have not watched it because I want to see that movie uh, I also Also fortunately got a very brief opportunity to meet and talk to Steven Soderbergh uh, a couple of weeks. How's he doing? Great. (laughs) He's a lovely, lovely man. And he endured my, I I know way, it's one of those moments where you know way too much about a person and you don't want to like show it. But like I know and have obsessed about this man's career and to like shake his hand, pat him on the back and say hi was like great. But I was like, I quickly exited the conversation because I was like, I know if I stay here for too long. I'm going to say something that's like super embarrassing. Well, you exhibited <laughs>
0: self-control and realized that he's another human being that probably has to deal with nerds like, like us me, all like the me. damn time. But and so interestingly, here. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He's, so he's releasing Logan lucky, uh, which is going to be on Amazon prime. It's going to, you know, have a theatrical release, 90 day window. Simultaneously. Uh, it just came out today. He shot a, um, a film on an iPhone. That he's going to release like within uh, around the same time. He was like, awesome. I, I want to embrace." This. Now he's done this his entire career. He did a film called Full Front. He was one of the first uh, people who really pu- um, pushed for mini for di- digital video. Yeah, and he was he's actually I think. And Mike, I I believe he shot the first Red movie, which I think was Shay. Uh, he bought he bought a, a Red camera. This is a fun side story. He bought the first Red camera, <laughs> used it on Shea as his own as his own DP. Then lent those cameras out to David Fincher to, in order to shoot the Social Network. Huh. Um. So the, his particular the camera, more you know, yeah, The Star yeah. just flew over my head. But um. But so he's releasing. You know, and there was a film that came out uh, that was shot on an iPhone last year, Tangerine, by I think the director was named Sean Baker. That I think was was a pretty outstanding film. Um, and, and I think, you know, there are people, the, the, the curmudgeonly part of this is it doesn't sound like Christopher Nolan is the guy who's going to embrace like shooting a movie on an iPhone. No,
0: he's going to use all of his power to go out, kicking and screaming for as long as He, he can. And he,
1: and it seems like the curmudgeonly part of it is, I, you know, like Christopher Nolan's movies are fairly expensive. Um, and they're part of a classical, you know, like studio system kind of operation, sure. you know, like everyone's paid above the line kind of thing. Um, you know, people make money on his movies. It, it, it I, I think he's coming from that kind of world. He's not going to, I don't think he's going to pine. But to be fair, he is trying to like push that world into a more prestigious way. I think the the better choice is something like what Steven
0: Soderbergh is doing, which is pushing that world into a cheaper way that is more accessible. One but, sounds like a young man's argument, and one mm-hmm. sounds like an old man's argument. And I think the ages of the two men in question are vastly <laughs> different.
1: No, they're not. Steven Soderbergh and 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 Christopher Nolan are roughly the, roughly the same age. Steven Soderbergh might be older. I thought he. Was,
0: that's what I meant. But his argument sounds young, and Christopher he, Nolan but but
1: older. I, I don't think it has to do with age. I think it's just it's just uh it, it, to me, it's a historical understanding that cinema, in some form, is uh, is a technological game, and you know, like the classic story is the Edison and the Wright brothers. You know, like uh, the reason why Hollywood is uh, out in California is that Edison tried to patent uh, cinema technology. Uh, cinema historians, please email and write me in if I've got the names wrong on this, uh, but tried to patent cinema technology. So studio, so studios sit up shop in in Hollywood. Patent. Yeah, to patent it. Oh, thank uh, you. Patent is
0: how I say. It. <laughs> I'm very patient. Yeah,
1: patent, not patient. I know. Uh, and try. And so studios moved all the way to Hollywood to try and avoid paying the patent fee, and yeah. then tried to innovate in technology. It's The VHS Betamax story. You know, technology. Uh, technology moves with Blue ray art- or
0: HD DVD for yeah. you youngins. Yeah,
1: exactly. So uh, I think Netflix is here, here to stay. Uh, and I'm not just saying that because I own Netflix stock, but I'm just, you know, like I, 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 and I think the way in which I've seen Netflix transform over the last few
0: years from when they were trying to split their company and call it like flickster or whatever. And then like the, those crazy emails from a couple of years back. And you're like, Oh, this company is imploding to then get to where it is now yeah. is an insane story.
1: Um, so I'm, I'm all for uh, the Netflix experience, but I'm, but I'm also, uh, you know, a self-professed cinephile who, if, if Christopher Nolan says the best format to see my movie is in IMAX, where
0: I'm going to have to pay $23 for a ticket. I, I will I, believe that. And I, and I will. I just wish his statements were more focused on him and his movies and not sounding like it's chastising a different type of way people can ingest entertainment
1: i will give him a pass just in the fact that i think this is a clickbaity article that's come out in the wake I, you know of what? like that publicity around 100
0: and alright. you know what he might have said all this shit because he's a very smart man knowing it would get these conversations knowing and we've said the word dunkirk like 10 times yeah, by exactly. now so uh he's getting his <laughs> he's doing his job
1: exactly the clickbait has
0: worked we, are, we, we are, uh, did it we are sufficiently baited isn't it funny how? we're the bottom feeders, like wordless, like the ooh, movie
1: news, movie news, movie news, movie news. And then like, that's how, you know, that's how they would characterize us in film and finding Nima, the little crabs that crawl across the bottom yep. of the ocean. I'd be one and you'd be the other.
0: But you know what? We <laughs> also clean up the shit. We make sure the ocean is good and clean for all of the bigger, stronger um, You fish. know, maybe what? I might be one of those
1: swans, uh, like one of the, the, what? the, what are the birds up above? they like mine, mine, Pelican, mine. Pelicans. Yeah. Swans. We're not Pelican. <laughs> <laughs> I might be a Pelican. Um, The Pelican brief Joey Anyway, Roberts, there you uh, got, uh,
0: uh, <laughs> if people wanted to brief us, where could they do so? Where yeah, is, pl- there, is uh, there
1: information you could give? Yeah. You, well, please write us in if I got the Edison L.A. Uh, Hollywood uh, history story right. But I believe uh, you can email us. I don't believe this. I know this. You can email us at, at onlymoviepodcast <laughs> at gmail.com. Hit us I up have on, faith in that. Yeah, yeah. I I believe. And you could uh, hit us up on Twitter at onlymoviepod. Um, we are loving the emails and, and feedback we get. I had so uh,
0: much fun reading them like as a bulk last time. Someone...
1: I th- someone quoted you and retweeted uh, something you said really? on the podcast last week and I think it was i think it was your comment uh, I haven't got the tweet in front of me but it was along the lines of if if all the scientists and artists are on one side of the conversation that's the side I want to be on yeah. and quote only movie podcast. Uh, and I, I retweeted that a few that's times. That's nice. There well you thank you person who quoted me. Yeah Matt see maybe one day you could be on a IndieWire article saying like this is really? what I
0: think about science. Maybe I can get on an IndieWire article and then never work in Hollywood uh, cause I've said a lot of shit on this show. Yeah, I know. Uh, I always worry about that. Always but you know wor- what? Look, I, I am who I am and I, I ain't scared. Yeah, you should be. Uh, Why? I got Netflix at my back. <laughs> I got Netflix at my back right now. No? Huh? Oh, oh, huh? Nice, see, nice. that was a shout out to Shahir's new music video. Wind in my back by Pyramids. <laughs> Thanks, maybe Matt. I'll, <laughs> maybe I'll do a parody of that. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, do it. Uh, you should see that on the biggest screen possible. <laughs> <laughs> not, it's not playing not in any movie not theater. Not on thing. your iPhone? Yeah, exactly. Oh, my God. But okay. Actually, that's an interesting concern that I have a lot now with work I make, uh, is we we will export it for
0: the iPhone and watch it on an iPhone I,
1: and and editing decisions change when you watch something on an iPhone.
0: I'm making a television show that is now cut down to two to four and a half minutes currently for a major vendor uh, mm-hmm. that will air on Facebook. Yeah. And so, the times they are a changing. They are a changing. Uh, and I am not going to fight it. I'm going to evolve and not die. So, you're going to watch the next Christopher Nolan movie entirely on Facebook Live. You know what? I probably <laughs> should. I probably should watch it uh, like stream to a Raspberry Pi until like an 11 inch tablet uh, just it's to so, piss him off.
1: It's so weird because I remember when you used to pirate movies, uh, and kids don't do this. I've never done this before. But when you used to pirate movies back in the day off like a Napster or something like
0: that and you would watch it on your Lime Wire. Yeah, I you, never did it either. I had a college roommates that did it, and you
1: couldn't get an HD version, so you'd have to watch it on your monitor, shitty quality and stuff. I wonder if now people pirate like big movies like Pirates of the Caribbean and watch them on their iPhone on their commutes. You know, like a
0: hundred percent. I've seen that. <laughs> it's so, I have seen people watching films on their phone that are that came out two days ago, yeah. and I'm looking over. I'm like, motherfucker.
1: Yeah, but this is also on a subway system where, where someone will be walking around selling uh, pirated DVDs of a movie that came out two days. Actually, I.
0: I. I haven't seen any DVD salesman in a long time. I have seen a lot of people jerking off. Oh, wow, But there
1: you, go. Uh, you know, it's the same thing. We used to have, one of the offices I used to work at ha- used to have the DVD person come up uh, every Friday and like show us the new movies that they Man. were willing to,
0: to sell us. If only computers had optical drives anymore.
1: But uh, so that if if you watched War of the Planet of the Apes on your iPhone, this is going to be an interesting experience. Maybe you had a different experience to us.
0: Yeah, I mean, so I guess uh, my so my history with uh, yeah, the plan. Planet of the Apes franchise is very little. Okay, uh, I've seen. Wait, what about the original? I've seen some of them. Okay. Um I never liked them. Okay. Um and it's not that I didn't it's not that I disliked them. I saw the campy fun and I li- I liked the idea behind it, but there's something and this is an- another conversation I'm sure we're going to get off on a tangent eventually, but there's the world never grabbed me. Okay. Uh and I'm not talking about visuals that just I'm it's like I'm talking about the collective world of the story and the characters and the and the visuals and everything never grabbed me. So when the new ones came out, uh I did not you weren't uh, interested. No, and I uh, haven't actually seen Any of this is gonna be interesting because the you're, you're, other you're, you're, two films R- you're, you're, Rise or
1: um or or, or you're Dawn of the Star Wars this. If, like, yeah. imagine if I came in and what and just did Return of the Jedi and not uh, Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back. Yeah.
0: So um I mean, okay, so going in uh, to this film, I knew that I would not know what's going on, which is why I appreciated the little text thing that okay. happened. I was like, "Oh, cool!" Um, and also to, to 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 further my not familiarness, I'm not that familiar with Matt Reeves outside of Cloverfield.
1: Uh, Clover, and did you see lit the right one in or lit? lit no, lit, I let wanted me, to. Uh, what was his version cool? I, I've only seen I've seen snippets of his version, and I've seen the original Swedish version, lit right. the right one in, um, and. Oddly enough, he made a film, like, back in the, uh, in the noughts called The Paul Bearer with David Schwimmer and Gwyneth Paltrow, which I have seen, honestly, strangely enough, and I remember it as a dinky little, you know, like, it was the point at which when every Friends star was, like, taking their, their hiatus from the show to, like, do one indie movie... <laughs>
0: Ba, 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 ba. That was the clap for friends. If someone
1: told you that life was gonna well, be this I've already sure got it wrong. Okay.
0: Go back <laughs> to shimmer. Go back to uh
1: So so uh, Matt Reeves has jumped the jumped the proverbial fence from small uh romantic comedies into and, and uh, you know like starting with Cloverfield, moving on to Lit the Right. Uh, I think his version was called Lit. Let, me, Let in. me in. I think it was yep. yeah. Um, and and then on to his remake. Uh, his second. He did the second Planet of the Apes movie. The first yep. one was done by Rupert Sanders. I want to say. Or, uh Oh, boy, I should look this up. The Colonel's uh, son? <laughs> yeah, Rupert Sanders, uh, <laughs> um, uh, who, you know, like, uh, did a fairly serviceable job. But I think it's fair to say that the reason that the Planet of the Apes franchise is the Planet of the Apes franchise is because of what Matt Reeves did to it. Rupert Wyatt was the director. Gotcha. Um, so so here's a fun little uh, history of Shaheer uh, thing that I like to do every now and again. You were almost the <laughs> Dr. Yeah, Zayas. I was I was almost an ape. Yeah. <laughs> I have a sneaking suspicion, and this has been confirmed, uh, this is being uh, intimated by my family, that the very first movie I ever saw as a child was a 16 millimeter print of Planet of the Apes huh. that my grandfather uh, had. He had a projector with the actual original film. This is dating me, showing how old I am, but uh, I was living in Fiji at the time, uh, and we didn't have VHS quality,
0: uh, co- uh, v- VHS technology. So, we Christopher had- Nolan wouldn't have wanted you to watch that film.
1: <laughs> so I watched, uh, I, I believe i may have been three or four years old maybe even younger and i was sat in front of a a, a light shimmering on a wall watching some apes jump around it may be the first film i've never huh. revisited them i've never gone back to them i've caught like one or two of them uh playing at night and watched you know like half an hour yeah, of yeah, it or yeah, something yeah. like that so it's never really grabbed me um i I heard you know like when war, uh Rise of the Planet of the Apes came out uh there was a much fanfare for that movie people were like wow this is really surprisingly a great movie uh, yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. that was the thing and and I think the thing that that people were drawn to uh is a couple of things one is the technology um the work that Andy Serkis, Weta Digital has Masterful. done uh that has done to to render Caesar and um the the you know the and company and company um however I gotta admit, I really didn't like that movie. Um, I thought the thing about it was it was a movie where the apes were wonderfully wonderfully rendered, but the human story was so pretty atypical. Who was the
0: bad guy in that? Who was the actor?
1: Uh, it was David Owello was the bad guy, but James Franco was in it, and he was the no, good guy. No, oh, that's, all you're talking the first one? Yeah, the very sorry. first one. Sorry, 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 Um, and I was, I was, I watched it, and I was like, what have I, why is everyone falling in love with this movie? I, I think it's, it's, it's genuinely not good, oh, save garbage. for, yeah, save for scenes, uh, the, the rendering of the apes, and the rendering of the
0: apes. Should, like, it, like, should it have been called rendering of the apes? Yeah, the rendering of the apes.
1: And, like, even to the point where I think, uh, um, Malfoy from uh, Harry Potter was in it, play- and he does like, get your hands off me, you damn dirty ape. You know, like, you know, we re- we re- playing The Child in History oh. Life. And it is, it is awful it is just bad um you know uh, so i i was not a fan of that movie uh this maybe maybe the way to look at this is and, and i'm worried that i'm kind of like being a contrarian like my approach to these movies is being a contrar- you? but 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 like so i went into the second one just kind of like someone said hey go, let's go check this out and and I my mind was blown i was like wow they really took what i thought was a pretty shitty bad story. to average movie and turned it into something pretty masterful. And a I was like, a bit of a stumble, was it? Yeah. And, and Matt, Re- and I was like, holy shit, Matt. I think what he found was Matt Reeves had found he, he had stripped the film back to being what was great in the first film. And, sure. he, and that's what he made the first film, uh, the second film about. Gotcha. Um, huh. uh, I will say that, um, I I have some thoughts about this this third one. Well, sure. I-
0: well, why don't? Do you want me to read the movie description? <laughs> yeah.
1: From yeah. the IMDb's. The 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 DMBI. You know
0: they're saying the bees are going away, but these IMDb's they're just sticking around. Uh that was the worst joke I've ever told on this podcast. Holy shit! Anyway, <laughs> I think it's on par with some of your bad jokes. Shut up. <laughs> After the apes suffer unimaginable losses, Caesar wrestles with his darker instincts and begins his own mythic quest to avenge his kind. Avenge. Mythic
1: quest. Avenge, mythics. Yeah. He's gonna take some like Hiawatha and like do like a vision quest. Okay. <laughs> um Matt, I'm actually I am less interested in my opinion, which is unusual. <laughs> I'm very, very curious to hear your thoughts on this film coming in cold.
0: Uh, okay. Well, first of all, the as we've mentioned, the ape work was top-notch. Um I've never that seen a thing? The uh, ape work? The ape work. <laughs> uh never have I seen more amazing uh CG uh, anthropomorphic apes since I don't know uh, Super Monkey Ball Two on the GameCube. How about Go- since Gollum on uh, Lord sure. of the Rings? Same no, actor, in all seriousness, t- Andy Circus is a fucking poet with like his mocap and his voice, and it, it is it is. Fuck! Like to have, I wish I had a a, a, a a pinky's worth of his talent in my entire fucking being. Like it's just, it's nuts. Mm-hmm. And the and the CG artists obviously behind it as well. It's just you. I mean, shout out you, to everyone at Weta Digital. You do not think about these apes not being real, right? And I, and you know, what? it's interesting because. Look, maybe a zoologist could probably watch it and be like, "Oh, of course they're not real." Like the, I think this is where my lack of knowledge about how apes look and move helps me because the uncanny valley doesn't hit me because I'm filling in the blanks myself. Right. Uh and that that it it's so good cuz I like I know what an ape looks like. <laughs> this looks exactly like an ape to my brain and then they're supposed to be super smart anyway, so like cool. Yeah. Uh so that first of all, I just have to say I I cannot uh give them a credit enough and and if you're a visual uh, effects nut, uh, you you should. That's worth the price of admission. I feel alone to see this. Okay, um, that's <sighs> <laughs> is this is this where the positive stops? Look, it's not. I, I'll say straight up, it's not a bad movie. I, I'm I'm just curious. Like, did you feel lost when you? No, not at all. No. Because it's simple as shit. Yeah. Uh, but it stumbles a lot. And for a movie that's supposed to be the culmination of these three called war for the planet, that's the four of the words in the title. Yeah. uh, It felt so claustrophobic to me. And I know that the, 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 the middle of the second act and the third act are meant to, but it's supposed to, they keep referencing the world, and this is happening. Like, and I don't need to see it, but like, even like, again, oh, we're going to talk about Mad Max? You're fucking right we are, because this is the only podcast about movies. <laughs> Mad Max's world, you only saw a couple different locations, a couple different roads, yeah. but it felt sprawling the way right. it was done and told and just edited and everything. This, to me, felt so claustrophobic. It takes place in honestly three locations i know there's more but like the three that kind of are in the middle feel exactly the same right and that kind of threw me uh for a bit uh also the and i know uh, we don't have to get into this because i don't think it's important but the the plan uh, from Woody Harrelson's Colonel, <laughs> uh, made no fucking sense, and I understand he's supposed to be a zealot, but then you have to buy in that all these other his army are also zealots and also incredibly fucking stupid, and maybe that's a byproduct of the gas that's actually making them stupid. Who the fuck knows? There's too many weird little plot bullshits that I was like, maybe, at first I was like, maybe this is because I haven't seen the other films, and by the end I was assured that it was just sloppy writing. Okay um and then finally oh i mean oh and then like oh so the colonel wants to kill caesar because sure and then it's to stop the disease but they said they already have it and then they want to build a wall of bricks and stone and 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 trees to stop another human army that has a shit ton of helicopters. <laughs> what the fuck? Like, so the human, again, the human aspect of this movie is dumb as shit. And bit. so, and, and I know they have to paint them to, you could be, you can make evil smart. This yeah. was just not smart. Yeah. And, you don't ever root for a human. I think that's hilarious. They did they, the interesting story thing. And we're going to end a little bit of spoilers here is Woody Harrelson is not like the leader of the humans. He's the leader of a zealous faction of humans yeah. that the rest of humanity. So the story would tell you is actually banding together to destroy. Now the rest of humanity, they say don't like apes anyway, Yeah, but not to the level that he does. So you're left with this. Like y- you want the apes to win. And it, the movie tricks you. And then with sort of at the end, a wave of its hand, which we'll talk about, like the apes kind of win the earth, but they didn't do it <laughs> like it's weird. And it, I know it has to get to a certain place, but fuck, I was just like, if this movie's VFX were not so enthralling, I would have been bored out of my GDM. Right. So, yeah, I mean, that's what I th- I mean. Those are sort of my initial thoughts. Um Okay. What about I, you? What's going on?
1: Uh, I am mostly in agreement with you. And and we are mostly in opposition to the critical consensus on this film, uh, which has got a 94 on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, Insane. Uh, and 94% War of the Planet of the Apes combines breathtaking special effects and a po- powerful, poignant narrative to conclude this rebooted trilogy on a powerful and truly... Blockbuster note. Uh, I, uh, I, I have to admit, I found, and this is the part of me that worries that I'm, I'm being a contrarian, but I genuinely, I, and maybe my expectations were high coming off Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Um, I, I like, uh, I listened to another podcast, I believe it was the Slash Filmcast this week, or... What do they do? Uh, oh, I don't know what they do. Oh. It, was just, it was just kind of playing in the background as I was like walking past something. Got you, um, got you. And they mentioned the word movie, but I don't think they're a movie podcast. Of course, yeah, no, I mean, um, <laughs> <laughs> But I like the way that they characterized it, which was, this might have been better titled as Skirmish for the Planet of the <laughs>
0: Yes, <ages>. yes! <laughs> um, okay, maybe there could be another movie podcast, because that's I would very love smart. to have taken
1: credit, credit for that joke, but I'm not going to.
0: That's right? very smart. Um, and. and Skirm- for the,
1: <laughs> scuffle, <laughs> a scuffle for the planet of the apes, but I, I, do, okay. So a couple of things off the bat. Yes, it goes without saying that the work that uh, Andy Circus and the entire team of digital artists that have worked tirelessly to create. Both human characters, you know, anthropomorphized characters, and uh, close to what we understand of ape behavior, in one seamless blend is nothing short of miraculous. Yeah, um, it, it is. It is. A, it is a modern marvel. It is. A, it is the the dream of the original Rod Sterling
0: piece. I'm sure. Yeah, and if you want a little bit more proof, even just from Arias, I'd be curious if you agree with this Tushy here. There's scenes where apes are just talking to each other because Caesar's the only one that speaks English regularly. Right. Uh, the rest of them uh, sign. D- d- sign and do monkey noises, yeah. and there are scenes where monkeys are just having conversations just like that, mm-hmm. and you're interested in what the monkeys are saying. Yeah, yeah, and and to do that, and I'm interested in on a human conversational level. Yeah, so just that alone. Is like holy shit! These these VFX artists did a ph- immaculate job, I, and and I think I think even uh, Andy
1: Serkis himself has has said this is you know like while he is the heart and soul of the performance, there's a lot of finessing that goes into creating that, uh, character that goes on behind the scenes that our, our entire army of people, uh, get behind. So, so, you know, it goes without, I've just said it, but it goes without saying. Um, I, one thing I do love about this series as well as the way it reinvented the, the Planet of the Apes series. It, it, it turned our villains of the first, um, a series of movies into our heroes. And I think that was really profoundly, uh, interesting and and a really unique approach to it, and I think it it gave the reboot a reason to exist beyond "Hey, let's see if we can br- bring this franchise back to life." Um, so I I was in admiration of that. Um, I I too found this ultimately uh, poignant. Uh, look, I admired the intentionality of this film for the most part. I think I think what Matt Reeves wants to do is make movies. Uh, where people are having existential philosophical conversations, uh, and I think he's interested in the the reason people go to war, not the war itself. Unfortunately, what happens is at some point he does need to deliver on that title.
0: And it's not when, the reason for the war for the planet of the yeah, apes.
1: Yeah, yeah. And when he ha- when he does, it's his execution is 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 wonderful and he he's, he's clearly uh, a great visual stylist and he will be directing the Batman uh, coming up next, so I'm sure we can look forward to a more Is that ex- still happening? Yep, and he has taken the helm. Who's uh, who's Batman? Ben Affleck still. Uh, but Ben Affleck's script has been thrown away and uh, Matt Reeves has uh, has taken over and is rewriting and starting a new script.
0: I hate when I hate when uh, what's his name? Kevin Smith says something and I get excited about it and then it becomes a lie. Like what? The Well, he was saying it was the greatest script he'd ever read and like, oh. da, 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 and like for like he's so psyched that his friend gets to make this Batman movie and blah blah blah. Which yeah. maybe it was true, but I don't who, I know. who knows? Um
1: so so I think Matt uh, Matt Reeves does a really admirable job. And like you say, moments where the film uh dips into conversations between apes um, um, is is simply uh, there's no words to describe how wonderful it is. Yeah, I, I think conversations between Maurice and Caesar, the mm-hmm. you know the orange ape with the I, I'm not sure what what breed of ape that is, uh, are just the heart and soul of the film. And if the if the film could be an existential diatribe between those two characters, I would be completely happy. If it was just a conversation piece, if it was uh, my dinner with Andre with Caesar and Maurice, I would be. Totally on board for that because it's so wonderfully realized. Unfortunately, when this film does start, the the plot machinations moving forward, things don't make any sense. Questions uh, arise that are are beyond the scope of the movie, like characters. For example, uh, my big thing where I started going, Harroo! Was was the introduction of a little girl, <laughs> uh,
0: uh, uh, a, the plot thread that goes nowhere. Yeah, a little
1: blonde-haired, blue-eyed, uh, young angelic face to to give hope uh, to both ape and humankind. Um, although, uh, and she seems to like wander into this military compound completely unfettered. The, this military compound is oddly guarded. Where we're like the where entire, it's not. Yeah, we're, we're like the entire um, prisoners of war, the eight prisoners of war can, can just suddenly like disappear and nobody's paying attention. And like and well, they're nobody's having paying, a rally. Yeah, nobody's paying attention for like 20, 30 minutes after that. Um, you know, uh, Woody Harrelson is kind of riffing on uh, Marlon Brando's Colonel Kurtz from Apocalypse yep. Now, but doing kind of a, a light version of it that doesn't that doesn't encapsulate the madness in any way. It encapsulates kind of more of a there is a there is a really good moment with him, which I think is was well written, uh, where where the backstory of his character is revealed. Sure. Um but 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 to say that the film doesn't you know a, uh, and this movie's not apocalypse now this will be the second ape movie this year to kind of riff on apocalypse now the other one being kong skull island uh, to say that that, that 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 they're riffing on on colonel kurtz misses the 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 kind of depraved madness of Colonel Kurtz. You don't feel like this is a depraved madman. You feel like this is a very dumb man that you shouldn't really respect because he's kind of just leading you into, into harm's way for no good reason. Um, And his plan, as you said, to, to ward off uh, an opposing human force, um is nonsensical strange uh
0: and, and Helms deep this ain't
1: yeah and it, and it also um it just undercuts all the great work that was done in Dawn of the Planet of the Apes uh the, you know in that film you had this sort of like simultaneous uh uh apes fighting each other as well as humans fighting each other and fighting apes uh Gary Oldman was the the sort of ostensible villain in that film but he was a villain that I the compl- human one goes in Cuba though. yeah yeah Cuba uh, Cuba. Cuba Koba, Koba, Koba was the bad ape um, who haunts uh, Caesar in this
0: film. Not like and this bad ape, the tiny it, bad ape. Yeah, in this played film. by Steve Zahn, who I, no, who I always like. No, 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 no. He was great. He yeah. he was the only time I feel like audiences smiled a bunch. I, I But I
1: feel like his inclusion was really calculated. Oh, yeah. If he wasn't in this film, this would be a pretty sour, dour film. Yeah. Um, so his, he's, he's, his inclusion feels very calculated, even though he actually does, ha- doesn't have much functional inclusion. No, he's I, the comic relief. Yeah. Yeah. So look, I, I, I think this is an admirable movie completely undermined by ham-fisted writing um, that, that, you know, like really just doesn't work for me. And, 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 and it's one, you know, like it's that example of uh, we were talking about, we're like the spectacle uh you know the spectacle here is the ape work which is subtle and detailed hashtag ape work yeah <laughs> and and it's not the the giant explosions um uh, which which i like i i like that that that's the spectacle yes and i like that 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 they're attempting to do a quiet film yeah but i think by
0: this didn't make a great one
1: yeah well the the unfortunate thing is is story points don't philosophically line up with what this film is trying to do. And that's the, the, that's the problem. It's not that, you know, like I can appreciate when the Avengers gets into a big fisticuff match because that philosophically aligns with what that film is about. Sure. I, the, 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 the giant explosions at the end of this film don't philosophically align with what this film is.
0: I, so, okay, this is what I kind of wanted to get into. Uh, so we all know that uh and i will say me as an example, but all of us, depending on what we're talking about, can get quite fanboyish about whatever we love, yeah right, so there are Marvel movies that you know, for instance, because I love them, I make excuses for, and I can logic my way through problems of the films because yeah. I'm that invested in the world i'm
1: um, i i'm I'm labeling this the C.J. C. Johnson mode of positive attribution
0: sure <laughs> uh yeah 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 so uh the the and this is what I find interesting about the way my psychology experiences stories through film, right in a world that draws me in, that does something correctly somewhere down the line that, that pulls it, whatever I enjoy. Yeah, I will. If it's not a, a masterpiece or great, I will do the mental work and explain it in a way that not only hopefully I think it's great, but I can, I can be like, no, they meant to sort of do this, whether they did or not. Like yeah. just, that's how I, I do it. I could do that with this film. Really? I could make I could make this whole plot make sense, right. but I don't want to. It right. didn't draw me in enough for me to make excuses for it, and it didn't. Uh, and and I find there's something there's some meta world building thing. That 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 I, I'm, I I don't know where I'm going with this, but I, th- I found the concept interesting because I know I can do this. I even wrote in all my mm. notes like the ways I, I would do this. Right. But I don't
1: care to. So film Crit Hulk. Have you have you read yeah, film Crit no, Hulk? No. He wrote an interesting article this week about the reason why Spider-Man and, you know, and I know this will be contentious for you, but why the Marvel Universe doesn't um, resonate for a lot of people in terms of like, they're not story. They're, they're stories that you watch and forget. And, and I know you're going to disagree with me right away. I mean, but, I don't, but, but I know people do. It's yeah. fine. And, and his argument is is that the character journeys that most of these characters go through are not, uh, are, aren't true journeys. You know, Spider-Man starts as a cocky teenager. He ends as a cocky teenager. And, and much of the lessons he's learned along the way don't, Change fundamentally
0: one. He he's a different doing. one because he does change. He decides to not be cocky anymore and he tries to slow down and do exactly what he was supposed to do in the beginning.
1: But he, he's still jumping around with a suit. Yeah, but he's doing, but he's doing it on a small scale. Iron Man is still cocky and you know and arrogant the whole way through, even though the film And that's that's what those characters are. Read the film credit uh, okay. Hulk article, I think. Don't
0: don't agree, but I'll read it.
1: Yeah, of course you will. Um and 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 so and I think the thing here in this film is that the, the, you know it's something that's that's written in the IMDB quote. Is that is that Caesar is forced upon a mythical quest to avenge the death of his wife and child, which is a cliche kind of you know hero's journey kind of propulsion. It's something that Christopher Nolan does a lot and and but also at
0: the expense of all of his apes, yeah,
1: but also I think fundamentally that he doesn't at some point he acknowledges that he can't let go of the anger he has to Woody harrelson's the colonel, but I don't think he fundamentally changes in this film. And I think if we want to look at a film that does it, and again, we, we will become, I think eventually at some point, the only podcast about Mad Max Fury Road. But if you, look at the, <laughs> if, you, if you look at the peripheral character of Mad Max in Mad Max Fury Road, his journey is from not caring about people around him and only surviving for himself to ultimately realizing that the betterment it is good to work for the bitter good of others, and that and that and that is resonant, and that yeah. works, and 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 it's something that we don't. Side I do,
0: note: That's Tony Stark's whole arc too. It's just not done <laughs> as clearly. I, but I can tell
1: is. you're hanging on to this. You're, you're I'm like, just saying that's you're exactly you're, what happens to just,
0: him. Just hanging on to this one, but no, uh, but I get what you're saying.
1: Yeah, and and I think in the case of War of the Planet of the Apes, that that arc of of, of pursuing vengeance and and then. Abandoning it really doesn't doesn't hold true because because Caesar is not forced to 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 change
0: his realization. No, in fact, all the onus of his entire like struggle of oh no should I be like Kuban and, and, and embrace my my rage or or forgive and forget and sort of move on and grow as a as an ape uh, is taken away from him via the script via the colonel being infected uh, <laughs> due to a, a red herring device of uh, a a. Doll <laughs> That the, the 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 child, the daughter, girl, little kid, who tags along with the apes yeah. after the apes murder her father, but she's cool because she's we uh, don't know we don't
1: necessarily know if it was her father. It might be it might have been someone who's taken her away.
0: Sure, I mean if we want to do that gymnastic, I was going to make the leap of if the virus is making the people sort of more primitive, she wouldn't even realize, right? Uh, and she was primitive, and that's sort but of. But she why. did
1: learn sign language. Yeah, I, but I the wonder apes if learned it, sign language too. Like, no, the, I think I think the device didn't make her more primitive. I think it just robbed her of her. Of her speech it was kind See, of a again, b- not, clear. not clear uh
0: but but so woody harrelson gets the doll that he she eventually gave caesar and then so when he caesar's about to go kill woody harrelson's colonel uh he's already devolved into like uh uh the whatever the dumb humans are devolved into and then he's, i don't know if he's devolved like he's still he, making cognizant he, choices he can't speak he can't yeah. have a lot of uh, mo- motor functions etc what i'm saying is what's happened to him happened to him and then instead of and then it's that weird moral ambiguity nonsense of like, oh, I'm not going to kill you because I learned a lesson. But here, hold this gun and you can kill yourself. And it's I, like, I, I don't
1: think no, I I, I don't think he does it. I think I think current, the colonel makes the choice to kill himself. Like, like he holds like Caesar is still teetering on the line. And then the colonel like, looks at the gun and pulls it towards him. And no, they, no, no.
0: Caesar gives him the gun. Yeah. Caesar hands him the fucking gun. So you're, you're taking it away from him, but you're, you're literally trying to have your cake, eat it too, Mm -hmm. and shit out the cake at the entire exact same moment in time. And it's impossible. You need three cakes for that. (laughs) Um, One chocolate, one vanilla, one strawberry. Yeah, (laughs) Neapolitan. Yeah. Uh, So yeah, it's just, it's things like that that break the journey for me because it didn't journey. I, I And, 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 the thing I, I love, <laughs> and I don't love this. I just think it's silly. So the movie could have been 15 minutes long if Caesar just went with his apes and brought them to the new land and the humans could have wiped each other out and whatever. Although, granted. So, oh, the other thing. Sorry. So the two human forces clash as the apes escape. Yeah. And because of these explosions, the the good humans, the the better humans, beat the colonel's humans. The very dumb explosions, by the way. Why would you have, like... All the uh, gas tanks, because we're in a video game from the late 90s, (laughs) Here, Exactly. Uh, They might have just shoot the barrels. The most exposed barrels behind the... Like, shouldn't you have built a wall around these (laughs) barrels? (laughs) Whatever, man. Not a wall, right... I don't know. So then that triggers, because it's in snow country, an avalanche that then wipes out all of the other human forces that came in not counting the helicopter pilots and a couple other people, but like, so an avalanche it's like the story hand swipes away the rest of humanity and it's like well now apes are left I mean I think the mental
1: gymnastics that would be uh, interesting if the film was bitter at at dealing with this argument is that the war for the planet of the apes is not a war between apes and humans it's a war between humans
0: I would have been more interested in a story if the forces were say equal they were actually the last humans and the apes were caught in the middle yeah. and they fucking gut like, they attacked and warred each other not Oh, one force is huge, (laughs) destroys the other one, and then by sheer luck, nature fucks the other force. Yeah, and then you're done. And you know, I mean, look, apes win. It doesn't. It doesn't. Caesar die.
1: It doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't work. Uh, The death of Caesar. Caesar. um, The redemption of donkey. I didn't give a shit about. Yeah, it, it just doesn't. It doesn't quite. Uh, land and you know, like again, <laughs> I'm going to pull up uh, an old philosophy lesson. Uh, Karl von Clausewitz, the r- uh, writer of the book uh, on war, who wrote that that war is supposed to be uh, a militaristic st- a solution to a political conflict. Sure. And and, and the problem is, is that there in, in this film there is no political conflict that makes actual any sense so emotional you know yeah it just it doesn't it doesn't work um and 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 it's it's really unfortunate because this film ultimately undoes the good work of dawn of the planet of the apes for me and and the fact that uh i'm again i hope i'm not a contrarian i'm just i'm but but it seems like you and i on the same page on this one for the first time in a while in a while um the the fact that this is a 94 on rotten tomatoes shocks me I, 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 what I worry about that is that I think we get blindsided by the technological aspect of this film, you know, and and that's to me that was what blindsided people to Rise of the Planet of the Apes being uh, as heralded as it was. Is that I think people get uh blindsided by the fact, oh my God, we can create apes, and they look amazing and they're realized very well and Andy Serkis' performance is ex- exceptional, but he's exceptional in a movie that is not and 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 I feel like this movie, while stronger than Rise of the Planet of the Apes for me um it it takes it takes a step backwards where Dawn of the Planet of the Apes took this yeah. two steps
0: forward so like final final thoughtiness should people I, go see it?
1: Um, I think if you're a completionist and you want to see where the trilogy ends, yeah. then sure. Uh, in your case, I, I, I would not say you should have seen it. New, new, I would say no. No, People I would, w- I would have said, Hey, go back and watch Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. I I don't think you need to watch Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Yeah. Um, I, I, if only to see like the origin story, um, but no, I'm I, and I like Matt Reeves as a filmmaker. I, I think I think, though, we you know, like movie Bob said this a couple of weeks ago, whether we should be uh, hypercritical of good work that faults in some way. And I think it, this is one of those cases where this is good work that is faulted by a few things that that are are truly, in my opinion, bad. And, and you know, I'm not sure this where movie
0: is the cinematic equivalent of skipping leg day. Okay, (laughs) meaning you built up your torso. You're looking good, man. You're gonna be on that beach. You're gonna ladies are gonna be looking, and then when they they look down, it's just little chicken legs, and you're like, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you're distracted for a while, and you're like, fuck yeah, that dude's jacked, and then you're like, oh well, how the oh this that's not gonna support itself for too long.
1: (laughs) I don't spend a lot of time looking at dudes on the beach in terms of you should you can get a lot of
0: analogies by doing that. Okay, I get you,
1: (laughs) Matt. Your final, I mean, like you walking into it like completely cold.
0: Yeah, don't see it if you're walking in cold. Again, I get I have to agree with you. If you're a completionist, go because there's a lot of good or or if you're a tech if you're really in a, a like a, a technological like uh buff for VFX and, and work like that. Or, yeah. you know, if you love Andy Circus. I mean, there's nothing wrong with giving Andy Circus a paycheck. Yeah. And those and the VFX if, if, artists a paycheck. If the
1: movie was on Netflix simultaneously, would you just would you opt to watch it there? Or yeah. You, or would you just not watch it at
0: all? I'd watch it. I'd watch it there.
1: Okay. Yeah. I, I think it's a case of I wouldn't like like I'm not gonna recommend my wife see this movie. Yeah. Maybe that should be my measure is like whether I'd recommend my wife watching it.
0: Maybe or maybe not. It all depends. Yeah. Uh, No, I mean,
1: my measure for everything, you know, like like I would recommend Mad Max Fury Road to her. I would recommend Colossal. I I don't think I recommend this.
0: Can I side note? Mad Max Fury Road. I want to say I am so happy that the first review we did is actually the bar. And that was complete accident. Uh, It was, you know, we started this podcast at a whim. And I love that. 112 episodes (laughs) later, we are still using that as our as our fucking yardstick.
1: What do you you think would happen if we started on... Like like, with garbage? Yeah, like what if we started... If we started with entourage? Yeah, if that was our first... I think it was like a second or third or something like that. Imagine if we'd started with entourage. I don't know.
0: (laughs) I would definitely have a heroin addiction. Do you think we shot our wad too early? No, it's great. No, it's (laughs) wonderful because we have this thing, this, this viable... Uh, um, quantifiable thing that we can measure everything to. I think it's fantastic.
1: I, I think it's. I think it's the w- the best way to describe Mad Max Fury Road. It is the nexus between your and mine. It's, yeah, there are still films on your side that you love. Sure. I think maybe more than Mad Max. Oh Fury, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there are films on my side that I love more than Mad well, Max Fury Road. But I mean, I think when when we're talking about what's the nexus of things that we think, what's the Venn <laughs> diagram
0: where both of us collide? There's just that one. It's and Mad just, Max. It's It's just a one. It's a pinpoint. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, uh, this has been the only podcast about the war for the planet of the apes. Bad titles, too. It should have been
1: war for the apes. War for the earth. Dawn of the apes. Apes. It should have been rise of the apes. Dawn of the apes. War of the apes. Win of the
0: apes. War for the apes. Bananas for the apes. Ape escape, too.
1: Let's, Let's not be stereotypical about apes. You know, apes got feelings, yo. But they like bananas. They might—they might like a lot of other
0: things. Well, they could. I like banana. I had a banana before the show. Actually, that's a weird good coincidence. You are looking a little apish today. Yeah, well, you know, it happens. Uh, Shaheer, when you're not monkeying around, uh,
1: hey, where hey, can hey, folks find monkeys. you? You can find me on my website. And, well, you want to find me on my website. You can find references to me on my <laughs> website. It's literally
0: in the website. You need to hack him
1: free. <laughs> this is literal Shaheer day. Uh, you can find my website, <laughs> www.shaheerdowd.com. That's S-H-A-H-I-R-D-A-U-D. Matt, when you're uh, on the beach staring at, uh, at dude's legs longingly wondering if they've skipped league day. Where can people tweet you about their... Where can people... You know what? Do this this week. Okay. All you gym buffs out there, I want you to tweet your leg day post workout selfies to Matt at...
0: Where's oh yeah, uh, Emperor MSK on Twitter. <laughs> I, I need to know that you can support the rest of your body. I worry about it. It keeps me up at night. I feel like Shears trying to make this into a sexual thing. It's not. It's a actual, it it's a men's health thing. <laughs> and it also makes for great film analogies. You can also send me any weird gym <laughs> selfies you'd like uh, to Instagram at Skeletor, the number four, P-R-E-Z on Instagram. Um, or you can find <laughs> me on Facebook or my website, uh, M-A-T-T-H-E-W-K-R-O-L.com for my Buja,
1: I'm, I'm calling you out right now. I want you to send a topless gym selfies selfie to to, to Kroll Do you, you think him. I already
0: don't have that? Do <laughs> you think that's not something that exists somewhere in my fucking 11 year friendship with this dude? Come on I, I just want new ones. Oh, know, okay. Like, you want a brand new one. Yeah, exactly. Maybe he yeah.
1: <laughs> sure. And you can also reach us with your thoughts and comments about whether movie should be screened on Netflix versus IMAX. It should this or or on your iPhone. Uh you can reach us at OnlyMoviepodcast at gmail.com, hit us up on Twitter at OnlyMoviePod. Also right on our Facebook page where we post a lot of this film nonsense that we love to like jibber jabber about.
0: If you think that <laughs> films should only be viewed on the new touchpad on the new MacBook Pros, uh the little thing, and you can watch it on the tiny little thing. <laughs> (laughs) Let us know that too. Let us know. I I
1: only watch movies on an iPod Touch from the from two thousand. I only
0: watch movies on my Zune. (laughs) Uh, No. I want to know, seriously guys, write us in, let us know, let us know the weirdest way you've watched a film. I think that'd be really fun. Oh, uh, you know what? You know what?
1: Just a side note, the yeah. coolest way, that movie, The Descent, Yeah. Uh, I think in Texas, they played it inside a cave. That's great. And you had to like, sp- like climb down to get to the screening and, and
0: they do screenings of Jaws on the water. It's wonderful. Like I, I that's cool. So send us in all that stuff. Mm, what um, are we doing next week? Do we know?
1: Uh, I think it's a movie that we can watch uh, simultaneously on Netflix it or on iMovie. Be- me.
0: I am a little bit interested in Valerian. I watched a Cara Delevingne, uh YouTube series with hot sauces, yeah, and yeah. it kind of made me fall in love with her again. I know it's, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what <laughs> we decide. That's not the reason to see the movie. That's a reason to watch her. We'll see you, what you we could, decide.
1: Th- on the basis of that, you should watch Suicide Squad again. <sighs> uh, okay, my logic's broken. We'll see you next week. When we watch Dunkirk. Oh, we might be doing
0: that too. No, we are doing Dunkirk. We're not doing Valerian. Oh, I'm okay, going to Valerian? All right. If we're doing Valerian versus Dunkirk, what do you think we're doing? I'm just a little mad at Christopher Nolan right now. But yes, we'll do Dunkirk. All right, we'll you see Dunkirk. you next week. Bye.